Good morning and welcome to the Leadership and Insurance Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Bond, uh, and I'm very lucky today to be joined by not one, but two guests, uh, which is a rare treat on the Leadership and Insurance Podcast. Um, I've got Natalia and James um, from Kita. Um, and um, yeah, how are you both? Uh, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. Very good. Yeah. Thanks, Alex. No, you're welcome. Welcome. Um, I say it's always a bit more challenging with two, but we'll try. We'll try and bat it around, and um, we've got a kind of rough, rough guide on who's answering what. So we'll get from there. But be, before we dive in, um, it'd be really good. And, and Natalia, probably best, best for you to take this one. Just high level. Let's explain the Kita business to anyone who's not aware, which must be a small number of people now, because you've been uh, you've been the hot topic of quite a few conversations I've had. <laughs> That's very nice. Thank you. Um... <laughs> Uh, yeah, so Kita is a specialist cover holder uh, under Lloyds of London, and we're very specialist in that we only insure one thing, and that's transactions on the carbon markets. So in essence, the aim of Kita is using insurance as an enabler to drive more finance to scale high-quality carbon projects. And when I say carbon projects, I mean anything from planting trees to building big machinery like a direct air capture plant, but carbon projects that can either take carbon dioxide out of the air and store it away or avoid carbon dioxide going into the air in the first place. And both of those things are essential to fight climate change. And we think that the insurance industry has a really core role to play in doing that. And so that's why we set up Kita. And that is what we do, carbon insurance. Amazing. Thank you. And I think that's why, you know, uh, it was all good things, by the way, when we were talking about you. But um... <laughs> let's hope, let's hope. <laughs> it's, um... It's just been the topic of conversation for, for so many of the conversations that we've had um, from a, you know, we, we're lucky that we run a search firm and, and we work with kind of some of the most innovative insurers um, and everyone has a, you know, high level, these are the things that we're focused on. And obviously a lot of it's net new risks. Some of it, obviously it's almost boringly now cyber, uh, but the, but climate change and using insurance to sort of tackle that is, is a huge part of that. Um, and, and being able to kind of build that out is 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 something on everyone's mind. But Natalia, I think it's interesting to talk about the origin because you're not, um, and, and you've been very transparent about this, not an insurance person, whatever an insurance person is, um, as opposed to you, James, we're going to call you an insurance person in this equation. <laughs> I, hope that's, I hope that's not offensive to you. Um, uh, but um, but so, Natalia, where, where, where's the business come from, um, and what's your, your what's your journey into insurance? Because I think that's I think that's interesting to cover. Yeah, of course. So then, let me start quickly, but with my journey to get to starting Kita. So um, I've always been interested in the environment. I majored in environmental science at university. I studied the impact of climate change on tree growth all the way back in 2001. Um, but then I never worked as an environmental scientist. I ended up spending 15 years doing business development strategy and client relationship management for international law firms. And I mean, it's a very niche career, but it's actually incredibly interesting. You don't need to become a lawyer, but you learn about lots of different types of law and lots of different types of industries. Um, and so I very much enjoyed it. And I did that in Brussels, and I was in New York first, then Brussels, and then London. And in London, I spent eight and a half years at Clyde & Co. So I'm sure most people know, listening to this podcast probably know Clyde & Co. because Clyde & Co. is one of the largest insurance-focused law firms out there. And so while I've never worked at an insurance company, I did work with insurance companies. So I used to run, for example, the business development practice for the UK insurance practice. Um, I did the global insurance key account program. And so I did learn a lot about insurance, 
And I met a lot of people within insurance, particularly when I was running the key account program. But no, I never worked at an insurance company. Over time at Clyde & Co, I was promoted to global head of new business. And in that role, I worked very closely with the firm's climate risk practice. So I led the business development strategy for that practice. And that brought me back around to my university days on climate change. So we were very much looking at the regulations and the liabilities that were driving change. From the insurance perspective at that point, it was a lot about understanding the impact of climate change on underwriting portfolios, um, looking at the kind of hidden climate in the same way that there was hidden cyber. You know, how can we understand the risks that you might not be recognizing, but might end up covering? And that was the key focus at that point in time, rather than the development of new products, at least from the perspective of Clyde & Co's clients, in terms of how they engage with us. Um, on the other side of the business, we were speaking with Clyde & Co's clients around trading, energy, shipping, aviation, construction, and helping them understand how the regulations and liabilities were impacting upon them, how that would influence their net zero strategies, and then for some of them, how that might enable them to engage in the carbon markets. And so it was against that backdrop that I will say, honestly, I just started thinking, you know, climate change is so big and so important that I feel like given all I know, I can either ignore it because it's too big and scary and hope someone else deals with it, or I can try and do something even if little myself. And so I decided to do the latter. And so I started looking at how I could devote the rest of my career to climate change. And at Clyde & Co, my job was rightfully, it was much broader than climate change. And so I decided to leave Clyde's. Um, there were many a thing I could have done, but what ended up becoming a, an opportunity I felt I couldn't pass up was where Kita came from, is when I was accepted to Carbon 13, which is the venture builder for climate tech startups in Cambridge in the UK. And the point of Carbon 13 is to build companies that aren't just financially successful, but that can remove millions of tons of carbon dioxide from the atmosphere on an annual basis. And so that's key because myself and my two co-founders, the aim of any business we wanted to start was a company that could remove millions of tons of carbon dioxide from the air. So that's always been the core of why we do this and what Kita is centered around. At Carbon 13, I didn't plan to do an insurance company, um, but it was speaking to people who were looking to build these types of companies and not just build them, but build them and scale them before 2030, because that's where the science really tells us with climate change, we need to be achieving a huge amount this decade. And it just kept striking me that if without specific and very tailored insurance to help them to mitigate and manage their risks and to access debt financing, not just VC and grants, they just were not going to scale at this speed. And I thought, given my work at Clyde & Co, I knew the high level of how to start an MGA. I knew it wasn't rocket science. Right? And so I thought, you know, we actually, we could create a very specific insurance company that is focused on helping these types of companies to scale fast. And so that was the early thinking of Kita, which then over time evolved to where we are now, which is this very specific focus on carbon removal and the carbon markets. But the initial ethos is the same as what it is now, which is how can we use insurance as an enabler to drive financing to scale these projects? Because without these projects capturing carbon, we just, we don't hit, hit any climate target out there. So that was the, the origin story of Kita from the very start. Since then, we've obviously done many a thing, um, but I think that a very starting ethos drives every decision that we make. Yeah, thank you for that. I think that's, I think it's really important to kind of know where it comes from, because I think you're operating in this space where 
you know, we sit on the kind of cusp of the innovation insurance industry. That's what we do day in, day out. And what I'm surprised by from a talent perspective is, is that how little the insurance industry does at pulling people from outside the industry in, specifically around risks that there's no specific history of an insurance product. And whether that's a net new product or things like cyber is a perfect example, it's evolving at such speed. It's It would be unreasonable to expect the insurance industry to have that kind of knowledge in-house. So I think attracting people to the problems that you can solve using insurance is particularly important so uh, you know it's really uh it's it's welcome that people come in from outside and it's surprising that we don't see more of that um and i think james i probably want to bring you in on this one actually because i think you know it, it, we we did we did call you the insurance person um <laughs> at the start of this <laughs> rightly or wrongly um but insurance scott you know uh it's got the potential to be a blocker right we can we can not cover carbon risk or an enabler like de-risking the business and allowing more efficient capital deployment but you know if, if there's an industry um we say we're committed to esg and we do like to say that lots of people like to claim that you know what responsibility do we really have to cover such risks yeah uh nice easy question to kick off <laughs> Thanks, um, <laughs> yeah sorry about that i think i mean our, our whole mission you know we think insurance is an enabler um, you know, around decarbonization, around, you know, de-risking the carbon markets, you know, helping to unlock that financing is is critical at this stage. Um, I think in society and insurance, we're conditioned to think about risk in a negative sense when there, there, there is that opportunity. And, and I think insurance you know, de-risks that financing that, that allows a lot of a lot of scale, a lot of positive impact. Um, on the responsibility side, you know, as a blocker, that, that's a really tough societal question right now. I mean, you, you've seen it earlier this year with the net zero insurance alliance kind of falling apart, which was, you know, which was sad to see. So I think it's, you know, we're kind of constrained by how society will allow us to act as, as companies, as sort of individuals, and it's kind of each company forging their own path at the moment. But um, and I would say that you know, we are on the front lines for sort of the fight against climate change. We're seeing, you know, we're seeing the losses, we're seeing the increased frequency, severity, we have all the data. So for those who are keen to act, then we're we're really are in the, are in the best place to enable that. So I think there is there is a sort of uh, massive opportunity there to be a force for good, and hopefully we as a market will embrace that. Um, I think maybe the bigger question, longer term, is with the direction that climate change is going. When does that sort of frequency severity become uh, bigger for the market to accept? And will you know will we see some of the sort of public private partnerships like you know on the flood side, the terrorism side, will that become a more you know uh, status quo kind of impact that we'll, we'll we need to see to in, in enable these risks to be insured so um yeah so, so some of the pushback on that from sort of governmental side is always that you know the the market needs to be efficient enough to deal with these risks on its own doesn't it and and, and i think that's i worry there's not enough creativity to try and solve the problem and if it's if a problem gets too complicated uh, it's easy for me to say because I'm sitting here as a provider to the industry, not seeing into it. Do you think we've been guilty in the past of where risks get too complex or, or too large or too challenging? We, we, we want to push it to some sort of public-private partnership? Um, I, I don't think so. I think, I think the London market especially is, is very embracing of, of new risks and the syndication of risk uh, across across syndicates, across the company markets, you know, with reinsurance. There's We have a massive uh, toolkit to enable us to absorb that. Um, and I think it is a sort of hotbed of, of innovation, just the kind of concentration of IP thinking and looking about this day in, day out is, is pretty phenomenal. Um, I think it, 
the, the, the challenge is that you know, insurance companies are businesses and they need to to look for the long term and be sustainable and you can't run over 100% combined for you know for forever and, and it, that's that's a that's a that's going to be a dead end street so we, i think we just have to be a bit more pragmatic and and look at the losses look at the data and see see where does uh, you know a private insurance market really make sense and where where does it where does the risk become too great that it's more of a societal governmental uh, level backstop that's that's required yeah no i completely agree and i was um I was, I was I was setting you up for something for to, to defend the industry because I was having a conversation yesterday with um uh, a good friend of ours a good friend of the podcast Bud who um who was formerly of Lloyd's Now Community and we were talking about the podcast we did with uh, Bruce Carnegie Brown and it's yeah. the first time we got um what would you call it we got trolled when we released it <laughs> and 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 by these people that were going essentially they were sort of saying well why is Lloyd still insuring oil pipelines and, and there was a specific right. African yeah. project that they were taking on um and they were like why didn't you ask a question about that now what was funny is I did specifically ask a question about that and and Bruce Bruce kindly answered it um now they might not have liked his answer but but we did talk about it but do you think sometimes the the press around this and the kind of focus on this is potentially unhelpful when it comes to creating solutions because sometimes I think it's like never enough like it's such a big scary back to Natalia's point it's like such a big scary uh challenge that sometimes it's kind of everything seen as not enough but I'm kind of of the belief that every step in the right direction is is the right step and I, I don't know who wants to take that on but um perhaps Natalia you want to come back in on that one yes I was I was enjoying you giving James other tough questions um <laughs> <laughs> I've got no, more. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that is actually really important. I think actually I saw that both at Clyde & Co. And then we see this every day in, in the more specific space of where we function within the carbon markets. But so I guess, A, on climate change broadly, there's so much bad news. I think just we as humans don't have the capacity to continue to absorb terrible news. Just like I was when I was at Clyde & Co. I said, either I'm going to have to ignore this and let someone else deal with it or do something about it. I think the majority of people, the, the easiest thing is to just ignore it because it's quite terrifying when you dig into mm. the details of it. And that's not specific only to climate change. I think that's just the breath of terrible news that hits us every day from all parts. You just can't dive into it wholly or you'll cease to function as a human being. Um, but I think with climate change, I mean, a large part of the way that we try and communicate at Kita is less doom and gloom and is more solution focused. Because I do truly think that we still are just squeaking in with time for solutions. There is a lot to do, but we still do have time for solutions if we act. And so we always try and be very positive and solution focused because I think that drives more positive behavior. Whereas the continuation of con just never-ending bad news makes people want to hide away from it yeah. i think then the other challenge that you have right now and i'll be specific in terms of corporate action because private capital is hugely essential to driving the financing we need to fight climate change across all spaces but particularly in the carbon markets you have companies who are taking voluntary action to go above and beyond to try and reduce their impact on the world what would be called a net zero strategy and they get slammed in the press whenever anything goes wrong and i always think that's hugely unfair because 
there seems sometimes to be an expectation with climate solutions and carbon solutions in particular that they will be perfect and no mistakes will ever be made and not even human errors but you know natural catastrophes shall never impact upon these projects and of course that's not that's not possible any new technology or any new form of solution is go both going to have errors as we look to develop it and scale it up and of course are going to be impacted by things that are out of the control of of any one individual and so i find it very frustrating when there seems to be this expectation of perfection and then anyone who does act but gets something wrong is slammed so publicly in the press that it just puts off others from acting at a point in time when we very much need everybody to be acting and so insurance is not some magic band-aid for this at all but part of how we speak with clients or potential clients is helping them understand how insurance can be both protection of course against those unexpected incidences also james mentioned you know risk being a bad thing or sometimes is perceived in society as a bad thing we often talk to people about how risk isn't a bad thing it's uncertainty that's a bad thing risk within parameters that you can manage can actually be a, be a very positive thing that can enable you to have a competitive advantage um but when we speak to clients it's about how we can be that safety net when things go wrong how we can enable them a path forward by showing them how they can mitigate their risk but then also how insurance not just kita insurance can be a communication tool that helps them to communicate publicly that they are taking the steps they need to move forward on their net zero ambitions they recognize things might not always go as planned but fortunately in addition to other forms of due diligence etc they've put insurance in place to provide them the protection to make good their commitments if something goes wrong outside of their control um, and i think that's really important for people to understand but also hopefully for the kind of press uh communication more widely to start to to play maybe a more nuanced role in helping move forward some of the solutions and people and companies that are trying to do their best yeah no i agree i mean the nuance is the perfect word and, and there's there's a distinct lack of nuance in the media presently uh but probably won't go down that rabbit hole because I think we're, <laughs> that's a podcast in its own right but that I'm probably not qualified to ask questions on so but I think I think it's really interesting that the, the way you're positioning that and I think that is important is, is that it is a communication to say that you are committed to something um and I and I, and I do think insurance is you know we were talking to Munich Re yesterday and, and they've made a decision to kind of stop insuring certain projects and, and they're moving towards kind of more broader green um climate-led uh risks initiatives and, and I think to your point about private capital I, I think that's something we talk about on this podcast a lot in that private capital and privately run businesses have opportunities to innovate in ways that publicly traded businesses don't because they have different responsibilities and kind of returns they have different responsibilities in the different expectations um, and flexibility and I think it's hugely important we don't see enough celebration of that um and I don't want to get political because that's, that's there's also a UK element where I think we we probably could do a lot more in supporting businesses at this stage so I think private capital's played a hugely important part um, let's go on to some positive experiences because I think that's a I think that's a good place to be. I wanted to dig into the, your Lloyd's Lab experience, Natalia, because I think that's where we kind of connected off the back of that. Um, uh, I think you were going through Lloyd's, and I was going, "Come on, my podcast!" And you were like, "We haven't got a product yet. <laughs> we'll get there." Um, 
but I, I wanted to know what you kind of you entered in with basically the bones of an idea I think my, was my understanding I kind of wanted to know what you what you learned in the process yeah of course I mean our Lloyd's lab experience was a very positive experience and it continues to be I'm actually in Lloyd's today and actually today is the Lloyd's lab demo day for cohort 10 we were cohort eight, so it was actually, it was us doing this demo day exactly a year ago, which seems crazy. But yeah, I mean, it was a hugely positive experience for us. But yes, we started Lloyd's Lab in April last year, and we had incorporated Kita in December the year before. So we were four months old or so when we entered into Lloyd's Lab, so very much. We basically had an idea on a PowerPoint. Um, and credit to them that actually I think they saw enough in our idea and believed in our ability to execute it that they actually led us into the program but we so we knew what we wanted to do we wanted to do carbon insurance we knew that we wanted to become an MGA and so we knew that we needed capacity and we came in with data um, and the ideas of two insurance products that we wanted to develop, which was based on extensive market feedback that we had done. And then coming into the lab with our mentors, um, two of which are now our capacity providers, Munich Reinnovation Syndicate and Chaucer, they really helped us to shape our thinking. Again, noting that none of us had worked within the insurance industry before. My co-founders come from hedge funds um, and, and finance, respectively. And so, they helped educate us, I guess, on the Lloyd's market, but I think most importantly helped educate us on the types of insurance that would, where it was still commercial to the carbon markets, but where the capacity providers understood what we were talking about and where the risk for them fell into something that they could understand and they could see both the downside and the upside of backing us. And I think that was truly the most important thing was understanding what the capacity provider would really need from us in order to back us. And I think coming into Lloyd's lab accelerated that process, I would say probably by at least a year. It was getting them to believe in our, our idea and believe in the market, I think was the first step, but then working really closely together to make them help them understand the data and then for them to help us understand the structuring of a product. I mean, it was just absolutely instrumental to us getting to where we are. And so we entered the lab in April. We did our demo day in July. We got approval and principle on capacity from Chaucer at the end of July. Um, and then we launched our product in February. And so, I mean, the whole process still took a long time, but I think it would have taken us much, much longer without the lab. And then, I mean, Lloyd's continues to be hugely supportive to us as they do to all the other Lloyd's lab startups. So we still work from Lloyd's. Um, we speak with the syndicates and the brokers all the time. And the Lloyd's lab team itself is hugely, hugely supportive in terms of introductions um, and also just tips on how to do things. So we're looking at expansion to Europe and they've given us the opportunity, for example, tomorrow to go and, and present in front of Lloyd's Europe. And so it's been nothing but a positive experience and one that I would very much recommend. If there's any other startups listening, uh, it's been great for us. Yeah, I thank you. I, I, I think we're massive supporters of the Lloyd's Lab and I think it serves a really important function. And I think it's very good at particularly people coming in from outside the industry. And because 
you know insurance even even on a on a on a really simple level it's a whole language set that you just don't have right and, and then and lloyd's the lloyd's language is different than the company market language <laughs> yeah, so yeah, i mean yeah. it's a whole other it's a whole thing <laughs> yeah yeah um james i, I think there's, there's a man that's versed in this language very very well um i wanted to just before um you know i've got a question about distribution just what drew you to working with Keita? Because you're not part of the original founding team from the insurance industry. Um, Natalia's got this big history of kind of working on, on climate and trying to address this. But yeah, when you come into this role of head of insurance, you know, what drew you to the kind of, was it was it mission-led? Is it just kind of like the sort of new area? Or yeah, what, what particularly drew you to working with Keita? Um, I'd say a bit of both. So, I mean, my background originally was biology and chemistry so i'm a, I'm a big you know, fan of conservation and, and all that all that all that stuff so that this the mission uh, spoke spoke very much to me and then throughout my career i'm i mean originally a lawyer more finance and then mostly in insurance but always in kind of building new stuff so like yes. new new projects new ventures new markets um i think a friend of mine in the market he called me a frontiersman i don't know what that meant but that kind of resonated <laughs> with him but like building new stuff with a mission you know 100 aligned to what i was looking to do so very excited to join and it's a fantastic team as, as, you, as you can tell yeah it is no it is um we're very lucky to have met a few of the team and, and, and everyone's been great so um wanted to get into your distribution strategy um and i asked this i asked you this in new york but we had we had to call time in our meeting so we never got the answer to this and you said save it for the podcast so <laughs> please walk us through your distribution strategy how does it work yeah sure so um you know as, as natalia mentioned we're, we're lloyd's cover holder so we have you know, massive benefits of trading under that lloyd's banner and that sort of passport to access markets globally through through all the normal um distribution channels i think we're and you mentioned we mentioned cyber before we're kind of seeing cyber as a little bit of a proxy for how we think this market may develop and what are the lessons learned um so that being said it's you know, it's a very new product. It's a completely new market. So that market education is sort of the number one priority. And we're you know, our our goal, you know, sort of mission-driven kind of view is we want to help make a market and you know de-risk de-risk the the industry. And that's going to require you know everyone in um in the insurance, the reinsurance side, kind of seeing this as an opportunity. So we we like to be a, a catalyst for that for the market and a catalyst for the brokers to have those conversations with with their clients. Um, you know, we'd like to be a go-to lead market you know if, 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 if there's a carbon risk you know, think think of us as Kita. um there's there's changing rules there's changing laws um there's emerging players and you know, we're hopefully you know, we're, we're a, a really deeply plugged into into that carbon space you know we, we have those relationships with the developers with the with the standards agencies all the kind of the key uh, intricacies of what's what's going on in, in that market um and we'd like to be seen as the, the respected lead market there um, I mean, in the short term, we're we're kind of going at it full pelt. So we're having lots of conversations with all with all sort of prospects and clients all, all over the sort of spectrum of, of, of risk. But we think that's going to change because the market will mature uh, you know, fairly soon. And we want to build those relationships and trust with you know, with the brokers now to be able to have to kind of you know, have a have a have a, a good impact uh, in, in the longer term. So uh, it's primarily a, a broker model um, for the for the distribution and there in a kind of education piece we kind of see this sort of three angles to to how we engage with brokers that there tends to be a, a sort of esg or climate sustainability team and they'll they'll be really hot on the carbon markets uh, nuance but maybe not some of the the product technicality so we'll kind of 
go in there and ex explain about the, the products and how that, that kind of offers value to, you know, from a sustainability angle. Uh, the product itself tends to be more of a, a credit insurance look and feel. So we, we speak closely with the, the credit and the political risk uh, brokers who they'll get the technicality and then we're helping them understand the kind of carbon market nuance. And then the broader challenge is, you know, over the longer term, pretty much every corporate um, buyer will have a net zero strategy. Um, and therefore, the, the, the broking client execs who have you know, any type of industry on their on their book will need to have that kind of conversation as well. So we're we're very keen to, to kind of connect with those with those folks as well around what the the carbon markets are doing, what our product does, and how that can help their clients sort of de-risk um, their net zero strategy in, in the longer term. Is that? I would imagine the timing is. You know, and this is not from a cynical point of view, and I think this comes back to Natalia's point at the, at the outset, is that there's a huge, even if it's a mercenary view, this is like the biggest probably financial opportunity happening. Is that anything that, to address um, carbon or, or climate change is is going to be, and I think even Elon Musk, this is the person that works this out, is going to be the richest person on earth. Um, which you know has some credence from the richest man on earth, um, depending on the day. Um, but um, uh, what's the, do you think the timing's been important for this? And I'm really what I'm probably getting to, James, is, is your experience in insurance. Is that um, what's been the you know reception you've received? Uh, you know, are people very interested, but kind of not ready because um, you know being too soon is as bad as being too late. Um, have we hit a bit of a good timing for, for you to begin launching this sort of product, do you think? Yeah, definitely. I think um, I think we're at a sort of tipping point where, you know, a lot of society corporates are, are looking at this with a lot more um, attention and same with the markets as well. So the, the, the number of inquiries we're getting from corporates, but also from the from the, the market looking to learn more about this and how can we you know, connect with them and partner with them on various things is, is you know, very, very strong. And that's I think that's a great indicator. I think the challenge is just that it's a new product, so that that education piece is going to take some time, um, and it's quite a complex, complex product, complex structure. So there's a lot of um, uh, a little bit of lead time around how do we make sure we can build in and wrap around an insurance product to uh, a kind of carbon credit purchase. So. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. I'm conscious of the time, but um, I think um, Natalia wanted to come back to you and say, you know, it's been. It's been a hell of a journey from the Lloyds to kind of launching the products. Um, what's on the slate over the next 12 months that you can talk about? Obviously, we sort of talked about kind of potentially going into Europe with Lloyds. Um, anything else you can kind of share that's coming up? Yeah, of course. I'd say it's coming up for us. So the way I tend to think about it is 2022 was us going from zero to one. You know, yeah. we, we did fundraising, we developed a product, we got our regulation, we got our capacity. Um, and we were a very good startup. We just hit targets, boom, 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 which took us up to our launch in February this year. So I think now this year and onwards is moving on from being a very good startup and moving towards being a sustainable company via which, of course, we mean sustainable in terms of our, our key focus, um, but really sustainable in terms of moving towards a profitable business model. And that truly is the aim for us. It's is proving that product market fit with our first product and then expanding its reach, for example, into Europe. We've always wanted to develop a portfolio of insurance. We think the carbon markets are too large for just one product to kind of win, win the game. You know, there's a lot of different market players and a lot of different risks. 
And so we'd like to move towards a portfolio. Um, and it's really, it's really that this year. It's, we went from zero to one and now it's going from one to a hundred and there's lots to do, but it is, it always has been and continues to be a lot of fun. And I think, I think what many people in our team um, enjoy working about Kita is really that we combine that profit and purpose. You know, we do think there's a market here and an opportunity, but we don't think we need to compromise what we believe in to pursue it. And so I'd say from my own perspective, I really enjoy working on Kita because while I'm working hard and working hard, of course, sacrifices some aspects of your personal life, but it's nice to do that on something I believe in rather than at times previously doing on something where I didn't necessarily see the end benefit. Um, so yes, lots to do, but still lots of fun doing it. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's good to hear. Um, and I was having a sort of slightly wild smile on you know, I, I, I've always shared this journey and that I just had to shut the door to traditional insurance because I didn't, I didn't really see what I was doing. I, I did four searches that were identical in the last year that I sort of dealt with traditional insurance and they were four head of offshore energy underwriting roles and, and, and they were kind of interchangeable. And I thought, well, what are we doing here? And that's just from my perspective. It's not to say that those roles are not important and, uh, at all, but um, uh, you, you kind of, you have to jump out of bed and it's too hard. Otherwise we, sh we should all take easy corporate jobs. Um, so doing something worthwhile is, uh, is, 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 is a really good thing to do. So um, look, we love, we love hearing about your business and um, we've wanted to get you on for a long time. Um, I think it's incredible the sort of journey you've been on and, uh, we know we know your capacity providers quite well, and that they will say very nice things about you as well. So uh, yeah, it's uh, it, it's all there. It's all there. Good 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 marks on the homework. I think. <laughs> thank um, you very much. Yeah. <laughs> so um, Natalia and James, thank you so much for your time. Um, absolute pleasure, and um, thanks for being guests on the podcast. Well, thank you for having us. It's been a real pleasure.